One of the things that happened this week is I was introduced, and you may have been as well, I was introduced to this thing called FaceApp. And FaceApp is you take a picture of yourself and the app will age you or I guess de-age you. And the making yourself younger is really creepy, and, but the older one's a little kind of, um, I guess, startling. It might be the right word. Because it looks just like you, but 30, 40, 50 years down the road. In fact, um, let me show you what Travis looks like in the year 2060 this morning. <laughs> and uh, Laura took this picture and did this. Um, I'm just glad to know I still have hair and, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. But one of the things that happened as, as Laura took this picture and showed this to me, one of the things I started as thinking, thinking about, especially this past week, was Travis of the future. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, and we all experience this. And I don't care if you're 12 years old, and I don't care if you're 85 years old, and at every age in between, we all have opportunities in our lives to reflect back, right? We all have opportunities, whether it's just the game we played. We think back, and we think, oh, I should have, or oh, man, that was great. Or we think about seasons of life or opportunities at work. And as I was thinking about this and kind of thinking about Travis of 40 years down the road, I was wondering, would I have regret? Would I regret things in my past? And the simple answer to that is, is sure. Sure, we're all, we all have regrets, but one of the things in our human existence is to live life to the fullest and take the opportunities that we have so that we have less regret. But one of the things that came to mind and in particular as I was reading through 1 Corinthians 12 in particular this week is will Travis of the future look back at this season of his life and look back at the opportunity that he has today, here now, to be a part of this heritage church adventure that we are on together. And will he look back and think he made the most of every opportunity to be a part of this church family, to be a part of this community? Will he look back and think regret? Or will he look back and say he made the most of it? I think it's too often we think back and we think regret. We look, we ponder, we sit back and we wonder what could have been. And over the next few weeks, what I'd like us to do as a church is I want us to think about making the most of the opportunities we have in front of us today. I want us to think about making the most of this community and as a church. Now, if you're a guest of ours this morning, there's probably a, a, two primary reasons you're here this morning. One, you're visiting family and you're here visiting them. But you also may be in the other category of being a guest of ours this morning. And this potentially could be your church home. And in either category as a guest this morning, this morning's lesson still fits. 
Because whether you are potentially considering a new church home, which you should never take lightly, that is a serious consideration. I want you to know that you're going back or potentially staying put. Making the most of your community is spiritually important. Making the most of your church family is spiritually dire to us as individuals. I uh, was thinking about this and all this kind of going on in my head, and I remember the day of my undergraduate graduation. I was alone with my father for a few moments, and my dad, one of the uh, one of the things that will forever stick with me is my dad looked at me and said, Thank you. Thank you for taking full advantage and taking college seriously. Now, what dad was telling me was, Thank you for not spending extra money, right? Of my money. But he was also reminding me that I took or I made the most of the time that I had. And I want to be future Travis, I want to be old Travis that looks back and says, I made the most of my community because community benefits me spiritually. So are you making the most of your church? Are you fully realizing and utilizing the community that you are a part of? Are you making the most of your church. This morning I want to ask specifically, are you making the most of your church membership? And the way I want to do that this morning is I want to think about, first of all, what it means to be a member of a church. I'm going to redeem the word membership because it's not a dirty word. It's not a bad thing to be a member of a community. Because out of that, I think we can begin to realize and fully realize and utilize what it means to make the most of being a member of a church community. That's what I'd like to do this morning. I want to begin with, the, with a couple of images. Now these are generalities, I understand, and everyone's image is different, but I think in images... And so when I was thinking about what it means to be a member of a church, there are generally two main images that come to people's minds. The first image is this one. It is the SS Heritage, the cruise ship. Now whether you've been on a cruise or not, you know what a cruise ship is. You know that it's all-inclusive, it's all fun, and everything's provided for you. And there's one category of being a part of a church that often we think and we look back on that church ought to cater to me. I ought to be able to pick what I want off of the menu, go to the things that I want to be a part of, because it's all about me, right? And so often this may be the image of what we think about. It means to be a member of a church. The second image, in stark contrast, is this. Digging a ditch, which if you've... If you've dug even the smallest hole, you know how hard that is. And sometimes our image of church is this. They just, they're going to work me to death. 
They're never going to give me a break. They're never going to let me put the shovel down. They're going to ask, 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 ask of me. And they're going to wear me out. Now, both images are wrong. Okay? And if community is about catering to your needs, then you're not in a community. You're in a country club. And if community is about ask, 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 work, 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 you're not a part of a church community, right? you're, you're part of some work detail and you've done something wrong and the judge has ordered you there. Community doesn't fall simply out of work and community doesn't fall simply out of catering to what you believe church ought to be. Church, by definition, is not about you and it's not about me. Church, by definition, is about the presence of the God we worship today. And that God is at the center of all things of the community. So as we think about what it means to be a member, I want us to understand the depth of what we are talking about. Now generally, by definition, this is what a member is. Someone who belongs to or is a part of an organization, right? You are um, a member of, I don't know, um, my father-in-law recently became a member of the Elks Lodge where he lives. Maybe you're a member of something like that. You're a member of Amazon. Uh, maybe you have DoorDash, I don't know, you're a member there. But we have memberships all over the place for all kinds of things. And generally, one of the reasons why I think the word membership has become a dirty word in church settings is because we think of membership simply as belonging to or a part of some kind of organization. Now, if church is a cruise ship or church is simply digging a ditch then this makes sense. But church is not getting your packages at the most convenient uh, timing to your schedule. Church is more than that. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, which we are getting to, I promise, Paul does not use this word. He uses the word member, but he's not using member to say that you belong to some kind of organization. This is the word Paul uses. It is the Greek word molos. And it is member, but Paul has a different depth and meaning to it. He is saying that as a member, you are a bodily organ or a limb. You belong to the whole. So as we'll read here in just a moment, as 1 Corinthians 12 is, is fairly well known for, Paul is going to compare the church body, the community, to the human body. And he's not just saying that you're a person who belongs to the organization of the church. You are the bodily organ of the body of Christ. You are the heart and the lungs and the hands and the feet. You are the eyes and the ears and even the eyebrows of the body. Now here's, here's where we need to anchor ourselves just a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Paul says this, and we're going we're gonna to build out the context of this. We're going to read out from here, but anchor here. You are the body of Christ. 
And each one of you is a part of it in sentence. You, as in the singular you, are a part of the bodily organ, the human body, the body of Christ. Now, the literal translation, I mean, the the absolute literal translation of this sentence is this. You are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Now, what's Paul saying? You are a bodily organ of the church. You are a limb, your heart, your lung, your hand, your foot. You are not just a part of an organization. You are vitally important to the health of the body. Now this word, melos, occurs 34 times in the New Testament. Vast majority of those times are right here in 1 Corinthians 12, or in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians. Coming in second place is Romans. And when Paul says member or body of Christ, this is the depth he is talking about. So when I talk about making the most of your church membership or making the most of your church community, what I'm not talking about is making the most of you being a part of some kind of organization. Don't make the most of it by digging the ditch constantly or making sure your needs are met constantly, but make the most of your membership because you have something to contribute. You have something to give. You are a bodily limb that is a part of the whole. And again, if this isn't your church home, I hope that you will find depth to take back to your church home and to realize and to hopefully implement the idea that you are a part of it. A living, breathing member of the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's pick up in verse 12. Let's back up just a little bit. Let's bring a little bit of context of what Paul is saying. 1 Corinthians 12 is a fantastic chapter of Scripture. And in the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and uh, spiritual gifts lead us right into this well-known um, illustration that Paul gives us. And Paul says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, verse 14, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, one of the things I think Paul is getting to here in these first few verses, we're going to continue in just a moment, but I want to think about these three verses, because one of the things Paul is doing and setting up, and the best thing I could, I could come up with or think about as, as what Paul is, is building towards, is he's the coach and he's motivating the team. And he's the coach saying, there is no I in team, right? 
Which fits, because there's no I in church. There's only you. And the you points to you. Points to others. And Paul is telling the church in Corinth here that there are many that make up the one, because there is the one who makes up the many. And it's not an I team, it is a you team. And so when we have sentences that say, well, I don't like that sermon, which, okay, I get it. Ah, I don't like that song. Oh, I don't like how we, how we have the classes structured. Oh, I don't like that entrance. Oh, I don't like that trailer. Oh, I don't like those bathrooms. Right? We go on with the church plant thing. There's all kinds of things that I don't like. But the sentences, the language of I is a symptom to a greater problem. You think you're just part of an organization. And you're not. You are a bodily organ, a limb to a greater whole. Because the one who makes up the many calls the many to be the one. There is no I in church. There is no I in the body. 1 Corinthians 12, pick it up in verse 15. Paul goes on with his illustration. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, what Paul is ultimately doing is not difficult to pick up on. He's doing this. This is church. Church ought to be visualized as the human body. Because you and I can grasp the human body. At least your human body, right? You understand that you have different limbs, different parts of the body that all work together to make you, to function for you. And Paul's illustration, again, not beyond us and not trying to complicate us, Paul's trying to say, now, if your whole body was like an eye, one, that'd be creepy, and two, you wouldn't do anything. Right? And so what Paul is saying is, the church, more than an organization, is the body because there are differences. Now here's the scandalous thing that Paul is telling us. Differences are good. Different people making up the one is a very good thing. Paul does not shy away from recognizing differences. 
And the idea that we all have to agree or think and have the same vision or, or view of things is hogwash. Paul embraces the differences. He embraces them. Because church looks like this. And if we all have to think and agree on everything in the same way, then the body looks like this. Yeah. Really startled someone right over here. One of the Williams. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't function. It doesn't work right. Differences are accepted. They are embraced. They are known for. And that is the scandalous thing of what Paul is telling the church. Go all the way back to verse 13. Paul says quite a... I mean, he is he's laying down the hammer. And he says, there are many that make up the one because the one makes up the many. And that includes Jews and Gentiles being together. That means slave and free being together. That means all kinds of things for us because differences are accepted because without the differences, it is a body that can't fully function correctly. This, Melissa, that is the church. It's a whole body. It's together. And you belong I'm about to wrap up, but you need to hear this. You belong in the body. I want to make sure you hear this. You belong. You have purpose. You have ability. You have thought because you are not a part of an organization. You are the bodily limb that makes up the whole because of the one. And the one makes up the many. And there's nothing else you hear this morning. Please take with you the truth. You belong. I don't care what your story is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what brings you into the door. What matters most is you understanding that you are melos. You're a member. A bodily organ. So Paul gives another illustration. He's being absurd again in the following verses. 21 through 26. So I want to pick up in verse 27. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 12. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. I will not address all of those in this lesson, but there are some good things, and the thing to take away from verse 28 is this. Different jobs for different people, because we all are different, that make up the one body. And they all go together. Are all apostles, all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, verse 30, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly, desire the greater gifts. 
Now, I want to I make one point about the community that is Heritage Church, and then I want to end with uh, some individual thoughts, some individual takeaways. The community aspect is this. Heritage, this church body, makes the most of our community by embracing every person and every story. Another way of saying that is, heritage makes the most of this community by embracing differences. I've said this before and I will continue to say it, every person and every story are welcome here. Every sin and every baggage that walks through that door ought to make feel welcome and a part of this body. Why do I say that and why does that make a difference? Because in the verses before this, just a couple more verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, pick up in verse 4. Paul's in the middle of talking about spiritual gifts, but he makes this point about the many and the one. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Now that's key. The differences come together because of the same Spirit of God. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. This is a community that embraces differences and embraces your story and your membership, a part of it, because we all work for the same God. We all worship the one true God. We all hear in the presence that the centerpiece of God. And I think that makes a difference. Because if this church is going to make the most of these early days of this community, then we embrace every person, every story, every difference. And some of us, and I'm included in this, really need to take that to heart. The individual side. Five things very quickly that I want you to understand about your membership and making the most of it. Some of these are just realizations, but they're practical realizations. You'll see what I mean, like the first one. Membership means we are different. That's realizing that the people down on the other end of the aisle that you're sitting on or the people behind you, in front of you, and on the other side of the cafeteria, they're different than you. That there are a variety of gifts we just read... 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. But there's also many parts to the body, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 12. And so Paul doesn't downplay the differences, and neither should you, neither should I. Realize that we're all different. Disagreement, that's healthy and good. Storming out like a child, not so much, but we'll save that for another lesson because I do need to wrap up. Two, membership means... We are built from a common source. Again, God is at the center of all things. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, there, are, there is the same Spirit, there is the same Lord, he even says there is the same God. He says it three different times in three different ways to make the point the common source is God Himself. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 12, he says we're all baptized by the one Spirit. Jesus is Lord earlier in 1 Corinthians 12. And that is the common ground source. That is the well that brings life to the body. And it starts there. The difference is, yes, the commonality is the common source of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, membership means we share a common aim. Now, the idea that we all have to think the same and, and view things the same and common aim do not go, rub up against each other. Because when you have the common source, you can have a common aim. You can think we, have to, we can do things differently to get to that aim, but we all share and where we want to go. And as a church, we want to go together in the ways of God. Verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, Now to each one of you the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Because we accept the differences, but we also recognize the common source, and so we have the common aim. The many make up the one. Fourth, membership means church is not about you. All right, this one's for me. It applies to you good, but this one's for me. Being a part of the body means church is not about you. It's verse 18. God who arranged the body as he wants it. Verse 24 through 26. And when one part suffers, all the parts suffer. When you stub your toe, it hurts in your head for some reason. Right? It all comes together because it's not simply about you. And lastly, membership means there are expectations of you. If you're going to be a part of this church, there are expectations. Period. There are expectations that you will use your gifts. There are expectations that your passions will be known and utilized. There are expectations that you will care for others. There are expectations that you are one of many. There are expectations that you will not see this place as a cruise ship or us just digging a ditch. There are expectations to being a part of the body. And so, if you want to make the most of membership, do it by joining the community at work. Join the community in progress. Join, because this is not an organization. This is God's body doing good things. And we're a church discovering ourselves in many ways, but we are a church that has great hopes, great dreams, and we are a church that is building a big vision. And we are a church that has expectations. We are a church that has a common source and a common aim. This is a church that you can belong as a bodily limb. You belong. You really do. You belong in God's body.